1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. Uh, Starting off a little seriously, uh, this episode, uh, we've been thinking a lot about the show and the direction that it's going in. And, uh, you know, I was out to dinner the other night and somebody said to me, you know, you've never had a woman of color on the show. And this is true. And it's number one is because I don't have guests. Usually it's a show without guests. It's kind of me ranting. You guys are familiar. But I started to think about it and I started to think about, like, that I needed to kind of make some changes. And why not use this platform to elevate people that have been marginalized historically? And why not use the platform to bring on uh, uh, a woman of color to speak? I think that's very important. So I think now it's time to kind of throw a bone to progressives, listen to people, uh, reach across the aisle, you know, in, in, in terms of everybody should be listening to each other. So I said, I was like, I absolutely, at dinner, I said, I 100% am going to bring a woman of color on the show. I think it's the right thing to do for somebody like me uh, that has a platform. I, I truly believe that and I'm not kidding. I know I'm a comedian, but I'm not kidding about that. Um, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Candace Owens. Uh, Candace, thank you so much for being our first woman. <laughs> you're our, you're our first woman of color on the show and I and I really. I'm grateful that you came on. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for having me. I, I love being the first one. What a pioneer. And yet I feel that yeah. um, it's not going to go as you planned in the comments section. But.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm hoping that everybody recognizes that I'm, you know, really trying to, to, to elevate someone. She doesn't someone. count. Yeah. <laughs> Is it weird to you? Is it funny that... People, there is so much of a push to listen to people of color, women of color, and you, you, who are an author, you've got millions of followers. You you drive the national conversation when you say something. People listen, but no one would ever think to 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 for you to be the woman of color that anyone should be listening to.
0: Right. That's because progressives only like black people if they're going to complain about being black and say they're a victim. Um, And sort of fall into that narrative, the ism narrative, as I like to refer to it as racism, sexism, um, you know, whatever it is. And because I am a content person, because I like America, because I don't hate white people, because I don't hate men, uh, that disqualifies me from the oppression Olympics. So I do find it to be hilarious um, because I think it reveals who they actually are, that it's not about giving a platform to black people. It's about uniformity. Um, and I am not uniform. So, right. and you're, Richie. you're also, you know,
1: it's interesting because I, I observe you, you're a happy person. You're happy.
0: <laughs> you're right? Like you enjoy
1: your life. <clears throat> you're happy. You got a great husband. Congratulations. Uh, you're pregnant. You have uh, a baby on the way. You're not a miserable person and you don't seem invested in other people's misery. Like you, yeah. yeah. And I think, is there a psychological component to a lot of politics right now that we're not realizing where you see some of these people, when I see somebody with purple hair screaming, I go, there's something else going on and it's not always political.
0: It's usually just a mental disorder. Um, which n- none of us are equipped to address. Uh, you know, with, uh, trying to make yourself unattractive, screaming, shrieking, finding, you know, issues with everything. Like you just anything that, you know, screams normal to them, they have to attack it. They're just like, this needs to go because it's too normal. Um, it's a horrible way to live. So I always say, if you look at the life of a leftist, um, they wake up every day and they are trying to figure out what to be upset about. Eventually, that has to rot your soul. Like, you know, to be looking around, to walk through a grocery store and be like you know what these Aunt jemima freaking pancakes <laughs> have to go you know what I mean like I look in and I'm like ooh like what's in the meat section I yeah, get to go yeah, the yeah. picture, see what he's made up um so I just can't imagine they don't realize the weight of their own mentality um and I'm the exact opposite person I'm always happy and that's part partly because I have a family Um, We just have a very good sense of humor. We just always made fun of each other growing up. We don't take ourselves too seriously. So I think having a sense of humor just makes life better. And the left just does not have a sense of humor about anything. Well,
1: that's true. I mean, one of the things there's so many comedians that do respect you and a lot of them don't say so publicly because you really you live by that code of listen, you can say whatever you want about me. I'm going to laugh it off. We did a video where I dressed up like a Corona ball and the Corona ball said that the Corona ball was going to come and go up your nose and find you in a grocery store. And I know Chappelle's talked about you and other comics and SNL, you you really roll with it. Like you don't care. You laugh it off. I love what you said about SNL. I think you tweeted your show hasn't been funny since 2009, which is true. Yeah. Why why are you able to laugh things off and, and why are so many people on the left, but also you have certain people on the right, just not able to do it. Well,
0: you know, I think first and foremost, I, like I said, I love humor. So like I grew up watching all of the stand-ups and I think it's, it's sad, um, that comedians aren't allowed to say, um, things unless they're politically correct. Political correctness is not funny. It's just not funny. Right. Um, so like I always say, uh, it was Chris, Chris Rock's bigger and blacker. It's one of my favorite all Brilliant. all-time favorite stand-ups. And you, if you watch it from start to finish now, he could have never performed this in 2020. Um, right. he, he would have been burned over the coals. Um, and what's beautiful about it is he starts out, the first thing he says is racially charged. He comes out on stage and he's like, white people in the back tonight. Then he starts going on about all of these stereotypes, making fun of black people for the baby mama culture, making fun of white people being like, if it's a school shooter, you know it's a white kid. Right. You know, all of these things, like right. you could never say to Today. And by the end of it, this incredible thing happens where everyone in the audience—no one escaped. Whether you were Chinese, black, white, gay, straight, no one right. escaped. And you sort of realize, you know what? We all kind of suck, and we're in that together. And yeah. there's there's a beauty in that. There's a humanity in that, of, and not taking yourself so seriously and being able to laugh at yourself. Like I appreciate the stereotype, even the caricature of Candace Owens, right? So like I found your thing to be very funny because <laughs> right. it was hitting at this caricature of like Candace Owens doesn't think I'm real. <laughs> right. And that's funny. And right. I should laugh at that and not be like how could he make fun of a woman of color expressing her opinion yeah. about a panda? like it's just so boring. It's are funny. You,
1: are you ever invited, you know, when they do cuz you will debate anybody, you'll talk to anybody, you'll sit down with anybody. Um are you ever invited to these colleges for these debates when they talk about critical race theory or intersectionality? Does anybody ever say, let's bring Candace in? Or is, is, I mean, I, even as I ask the question, I feel like I know the answer because you'll go like you'll show up and you will bring your ideas to people. But do you, are you surprised by how little that happens?
0: No, I'm not surprised because everything, everything that they believe in is a lie Um, it's a misrepresentation um, and it relies on no one in the audience having a modicum of intelligence to be able to counter it or being too fearful to counter it. So you could be sitting in the audience when the left is spewing their you know racist, sexist, misogynist BS, but you're white and you're straight. So you got to shut up. right? Right. And they built that safe. They built that safe space around themselves because you just have to shut up. Unfortunately for them, According to their own rules, I'm at the top of the progressive stack, so they have to let me talk, um, which means that it relies on two people locking based on intellect. And the left cannot lock with me on intellect because I'm going to hit them hard. I know that all of it's BS, so they do what they – the only thing that they can do is pretend I don't exist. Is there any any any
1: really smart person – whether it's Dr. Cornel West or whoever, where you go, it would be a tough debate. Like, do you ever look at somebody on the left and go, because I remember asking, I think I asked Ann Coulter this. I was like, and I think she said maybe it was Pat Cadell or uh, Mickey Kaus at one point, who's kind of drifted maybe to the center now. But is there anyone on the left where you go, yeah, this is a person who I don't agree with, but I kind of respect them and I think they're smart.
0: Um, so you brought up Cornel West. I've debated him. Right, right. <laughs> I, right. I've sat down and I've spoken with him. And the thing is is he doesn't play far left when he's in the room right. with me. So right. we actually agreed on a lot because he's smart enough not to say ridiculous things and drive himself to the far left, which is just making no sense, right? Um, so we were able to have a respectable dialogue. And to be honest, now I feel that those sorts of moderates have all sort of kowtowed to the far left and their arguments are getting more and more ridiculous. So there isn't anyone that, that is k- kowtowing to the far left that I'd be afraid to be in the room with and debate. be. I, I find much more and debating people on the right um, that, I mean, like, I would never debate Larry Elder. That is one person that I have been open about. Like, thank God we're on the same side because the man is an absolute, absolutely brilliant. He doesn't forget a single fact. And he, I, th- I think he's got, like, a photographic memory. But on the left, I mean, there's, uh, women can be men. Men can be women. Like, what do I need to prep for? Right. Like, in, an, in, in a debate about <laughs> yeah, that. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, kids should be able to pick their gender. They have the agency. They You know, they can't figure out not to stick their hands in toasters. But yeah, sure, let them decide on their entire you know, lifestyles when they're two years Old, so right. I mean, they're just so crazy right now that no, there's no one that I'm fearful to sit down in the room with.
1: Right now, you got some flack you you often do, and uh, this was about Harry Styles wore a uh, dress on the cover of I believe Vogue or Vogue, a ball gown. You get it right, a ball gown. And Now, my whole point was that no one can afford. If you told me, Tim, go get Harry Styles' dress on the cover of Vogue. I mean, if my mother was like, uh, you know, you're about to kill her, I couldn't find a ball gown. Ga- I don't even know how to buy these clothes; they're too expensive. Most people don't. I talked about it on my show. I'm like, I don't think this is such a huge problem because nobody has a job. But what? That was a firestorm. So what about that? You saw that, and you go, they're trying to get rid of traditional masculinity. Do you think it's? Do you think it is kind of that plot, or do you think it's kind of just like Harry Styles? trying to get attention and being ridiculous. Like I feel like there's probably not a lot of dudes in the country that are going to start dressing in like Christian Dior ball gowns.
0: Yeah. You say that because our generation and when I say our generation, I'm too speaking about millennial right. older, a bit younger. Sure. Sure. Because we didn't grow up with this, with culture telling us that men should be women and women should be men. Actually, that was some. This, this is a new crazy that the left has unleashed. Um, Really has unleashed it. I would say over the last five years now, where they're kind of harping on these kids to understand that gender is made up, um, and you know, your kid. I mean. Who's the chick that's always naked on Instagram? Emma, Rata Jaja, Jaja. Um, or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: she's always naked. Always says it's a new reason, you know, oh, I'm naked right. today for this issue. That's what we, we call it intellectual
1: in America. That's what we call She does have a nice
0: body. I wish she would just be like, I'm naked because I have a nice body and right. stop pretending that there's some social issues, but whatever. So she's pregnant. And the first thing she does is issues a long statement saying that she's going to be part of the parents that raise their kid. Um, to have no gender and wait for their kid to tell her when she's 18 um, what gender it
1: is. By the way, there's no up- way at 18 that, that that daughter or son is still speaking, Emily right. So <laughs> She better get that. She better get that. She better get that sooner. It is weird. Like we saw that you, 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 I think it's a, you, um, you, tina, you You tell it, what is the church? Unitarian. The Unitarian video where they bring up the young kid, it was on Twitter, who's like two, and they're like, hey, uh, tell everyone you're transgender. It was weird. It was all the creepy elements of religion.
0: It's just weird. Yeah, it's weird. And and it is because of now we're sort of treading towards this atheist society that they're looking for new forms of religion. These are new types of cults um, that are happening. The left has become a cult where they just want to undo things that we didn't have a problem with. At no point when I was growing up as a little girl was I like, man, I really wish I could go into the guy's bathroom. It's just not fair. Or like, you know, I really wish like um, I I could just act like a boy and and all of a sudden I I never had those feelings. I was a tomboy for a period of time, but my mother never said, well, this must mean that you. Are deep down inside a boy, and thank God she didn't, because I grew out of it when I went through puberty. And suddenly I thought that the guys were not cool but cute. Right. Um, so I mean, in terms of the Harry South thing, I said something that everyone reasonably should have agreed with. He did. He's not masculine when he's wearing a dress. And you have to pay attention to those trends because whatever they're putting on the cover of Vogue, that's what's around the co- that's what's around the corner. That's what's around the corner culturally. Um, and I'm just staunchly against, you know, this trans agenda, as I call it. Of course, if you're a trans person, you're suffering from gender dysphoria, which is a real issue. Right. Um, you know, then you know, I, you should be afforded every protection. You should never be attacked. Um, but no,
1: I'm always I'm always yeah. for maximum freedom. Uh, yes. I think maximum freedom. Too much of progressivism now seems to be about reducing the freedom of others. It seems to be about corralling people and going, you need to think like I do. You need to believe this, or you are a A problem.
0: Transphobe, homophobic, like, you know, and that's what I got for saying that he was not masculine in a dress. Um, You know, I got called a transphobe. Like, I'm not afraid. Phobia means a fear of, I'm not afraid of men in dresses. I'm stating my opinion that Why can't we just have normal? Why can't we just see a nuclear family on the cover of any of these magazines? They're just trying to get freakier and freakier and freakier. Um, And I think that there is a difference between diversity and perversity. And now the left is treading towards perversity. It's not about being diverse, it's about being how perverse can you get. Um, And I'm just not for it. So I say what I say, and that's that.
1: Now you recently joined Daily Wire, I did. You're on Daily Wire. That's very exciting. Now, why did you just? Because now you and Ben Shapiro of kind of you're a little bit of a team in a way. Not a team, but you're on the Ben Shapiro team. Right now, you guys are kind of different ideologically, right? I mean, you're very similar in many ways, but like I would say, he's more maybe a, a kind of an old school conservative, and I think yeah. you're more of a kind of a nationalist. If 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 that's right, am I wrong there?
0: I, I we do have differences. Um, right. Uh, without characterizing it, I would say you're absolutely right. You're hitting at we are stylistically different. Right. Um, and we have had we've butt heads in the past, uh, Ben and I.
1: And now what? Up, so what about that move was the move? You just said, I'm going to do it. I think it's no, the right. I, mean, I think yeah. it's
0: I think what the Daily Wire invites and and people may not realize it now is that there are people that completely disagree with daily wire Michael Knowles and I actually tend to agree on stuff um, more often than not and him and Ben Shapiro disagree on a lot of things and Michael Knowles has been a part of the daily wire team for a very long time so I think that they're you know they are smart enough to realize that they're not trying to inspire groupthink they're trying to you know lift different voices um and sort of take over, if you will, like, you know, become an alternative, uh, to the left and everything that we see on TV is always a leftist perspective. Um, so we, Ben and I will still disagree on certain people, different ideas. Um, but we do so, you know, and are able to make fun of one another and not take it too seriously. (laughs) he, He has a pretty
1: good sense of humor too. I think for the most part, I see him, he has a pretty good sense of humor. He's not, Now, about COVID, you know, I just have my producer here, and I just ordered two COVID tests. You know, we have no symptoms. We're not sick. But I'm spending about $600 to have a guy come in here. We do this a lot. Like, they talk about canceling student loan debt. I want them to cancel the thousands of dollars I've spent on COVID tests where I don't even know if they're accurate. No one really knows. It's all a guessing game. And then the, the doctor comes over. They barely, they don't have a mask. I'm like, you're not afraid. So, now, COVID, COVID's clearly real. It's clearly a problem. But- you have, and I don't know that I agree with you here, but you make kind of a compelling case that this is part of something larger. That the yeah. that the in, that it's been inflated to a degree um, now. And and how would you say that? Because I was listening to you. You did a live stream I think last week where you said I have been calling out how COVID is going to be used um, uh, to 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 get Donald Trump out of office for a while. You've been calling it out right. probably since February. That's right. And, 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 but it's happening all over the world and it is something that's an actual disease and it can be quite devastating. But what do you think has been done on the left uh, in your estimation to inflame the situation or to uh, you know make it uh, um, a catalyst to remove Trump?
0: Well, first and foremost, COVID was never going to kill millions and millions of Americans. That was always a lie. Um, it was about uh, basically transforming America, a free society, into a totalitarian state. Um, you know, going into this year, Trump had a warring economy, and there used to be that expression, it's the economy, stupid, it guarantees you a second year. Um, uh, we did not have a mail-in ballot system, which is... Uh, it- the most fraudulent susceptible system that you could possibly have in terms of voting, um, implementing that entire system virtually overnight in all 50 states and just going, there's no way there's going to be any fraud. Um, so i was calling that out which seems obvious so his economy got crashed you changed the entire way that america votes which allows for more fraud um and at the same time you're crashing american businesses when we know that china was very close to i mean essentially what china has been trying to do for those of us you know who study uh, foreign policy has been taking you know the belt and road initiative getting all of the world to turn to china um as the world leader and that's very much happening right now i mean china despite implementing um genocide on the Muslims, somehow has a seat on the humanitarian board at the UN, which makes entirely no sense. Uh, China was able, a, a country of 1.3 billion people, right? I've been to China, everyone's like this at all, at all times, was able to knock out the coronavirus and reopen everyone's businesses in two weeks. Um, and we just can't figure it out in the West. We they can't, can't figure it out anywhere. And, and our, our infection rates, first they were playing around with the death rates and, and, and we had the censorship from the tech. Uh, People were coming out and saying, "Yes, um, my father died of cancer, and COVID nineteen is on his death certificate because in post mortem testing, which has never been done, they're looking for a strand of this virus, which the majority of people who get it are asymptomatic. I mean, I've probably had COVID ten times. I've declined to wear a mask. I've traveled to at least four countries. Um, you know, right at the height of it, I've over- had.
1: I've had, and I say this in my act. I've. I believe I've had COVID for ten years."
0: Yeah, I mean, like there's, there's no way I, I don't have it. So if this <laughs> right. is the big deadly virus, guys. And by the way, it, here's the thing about the lot If they actually thought that it was a big deadly virus when we were all going to die, they'd be encouraging Trump rallies. They hate Trump supporters, right? They'd right. be like, yes, all of you go into a pit and then we expect <laughs> all of you to die. I hosted events with thousands of people. They were sanctioning protests, but then saying, so I mean, it was just the entire mainstream media narrative made entirely no sense, but they wanted us to be home. They wanted us to be on our cell phones. They wanted us to be sent, essentially just paying attention to them. And the psychological, game of it, the death ticker. That was the thing that I was like, this is like next level creepy stuff because no matter what you have going on in America, you have never seen a death ticker. You've never seen the news tell you every time somebody dies of something. How they even were able to do that considering your health records are private, yet they were somehow telling you how many people were dying of COVID-19 was completely bizarre. If there was a death ticker to tell you every time somebody died in a car accident, you'd never get in your car because it it creates psychological trauma. And that's what they were trying to do, psychologically traumatize people to fundamentally change the way that we act every single day. Um, And it, it happened. People bought into it. I mean, I just was at the grocery store and a woman came up to me and she just said to me excuse me uh you're pregnant i want to let you know if your mask is not over your nose like you're going to catch this thing ironically you know me i love whole foods um and i turned to her and i said i I don't care if I get coronavirus. I mean, what is wrong with you? What weird? Like, I'm a young, springy, 31 year old woman. If I get coronavirus, I promise you, it's not going to be anywhere near as bad as the flu I had two years ago, um, which wiped me completely on my butt. And we've never had a flu ticker. We've never had anybody talking about flu is more likely to kill children. We never made children wear masks during flu season. I just saw kids um, 10 running. Ten times more likely.
1: I just I rented a house in uh, in California, and I'm and I'm. We're driving to get breakfast, and uh, me and my producer, and we see high school kids running in masks, and it was very odd. Like, they're at gym, and they're running outside in masks. That's when I go, this doesn't make any sense. I understand you're in a crowded place, you want to wear a mask, whatever, but running outside in mask, it does feel cultish and weird.
0: Yeah, it's just weird, especially because the statistics are in. The k- kids are more likely to die of the flu. So why was why weren't we masking these children every flu season? And it's because it's all about the psychological trauma of seeing a child in a mask. And 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 we're all in this together. All of this like commie type rhetoric. We're all in this together. It's your Cuomo the other night. It's your global family now. Don't have Thanksgiving with your family. We're all a part of a global family. I'm like I don't care. <laughs> you could yeah. say something to me a million times I am a, a pretty um strong-headed bull-minded I'm gonna be with my family I'm not going to mask my family in fact i have a strict no mask policy in my home so I respect how you want to live you know run your home you're not allowed to wear a mask in mine um and that's just my, I'm, my kid's gonna grow up like a normal kid he's gonna breathe um so if you have an issue with that then uh, you can hate Candace you what, um, the club. are
1: you that do. Are, do you think do you think there's any chance that trump pulls this out?
0: I do, 100%. And, really, and again, Candace,
1: can go, yeah. really?
0: Yeah, I wow. think the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court has, I have been talking about the fact that this election was gonna end up in the Supreme Court since February. You can go back and watch my, um, um, my interview with The Daily Caller. It might've been early March. Um, And I have said this is this is the most rigged election, just looking ahead at what was down the pipeline in terms of what we were, how we were fundamentally transforming our society. I expected there to be a lot of fraud um, and I expected that Trump would appeal to the Supreme Court. Um, So at the end of the day, this is going to come down to whether or not they are able to. Prove and not just prove, but be able to communicate what they are saying about the fraud. Um, I, I am sorry. I don't care if you're on the left, if you're on the right. If you believe that Joe Biden secured the most votes, like that, that there was more energy for Joe Biden than there was for Barack Obama in 2008, you're kidding yourself, well, right? Well, wouldn't, it was it, wouldn't the
1: argument be that it was an anti-Trump vote? Was, nobody was excited no, about Biden, no, but they were anti-Trump. No, it wasn't.
0: It, just, it's not even, it, wasn't because it wasn't an anti-Trump vote. You yeah. know, we know that 30% of people didn't even bother voting. Right. Right. So despite the fact that we are completely submerged in politics, not all of America is. right. right? So for me, it's every day is day in and day out. But I also know that my cousins that live in the projects couldn't give us stuff about anything that I do. Like my cousins literally, I went to eat with one of my cousins. Um, her name's Mia. And I'm like, we, I was talking about Brexit. And she was like, what's Brexit? I want to like, <laughs> hang out with her. I want to hang out with her. I'm sick in L.A., said, everybody
1: talking about politics. I want to go hang out with your cousins in the projects tomorrow.
0: And I said, I said to her, I said, Mia, it's, you know, the Brits left the European Union. And she goes, what's the European Union? Yes. And I was like, I love you. Yeah, <laughs> I love her
1: too. I love her too, by the way. I want to go hang out with her. Do you, do you, what explains, and I mean, you have a, a huge part of this. I think I tweeted that. I said, Candace Owens a huge, f- now the black conservative movement is very, no, it's not covered by the media at all. And you're the biggest voice in it, but there's tons of people out there, Coleman Hughes, whatever. A lot of different people and the media ignores this like it's not happening and some of the most interesting conversations that are happening online are are black conservatives that are talking about uh american policy and 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 disagreeing and 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 it's very very interesting trump made gains with minority voters you know what do you think explains that because we've had the most strenuous year for race relations probably in 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 the, that I can remember and Donald Trump who's a very volatile figure gains with minority yeah. voters what would you attribute that to?
0: people like me, independent voices, uh, people are not buying it anymore. And and goes back to what we talked about earlier, the fatigue of victimhood. I mean, if, if you weren't tired of being just black this year, when everything, oh, you're struggling, you know, just being black. I mean, at a certain point, I kept saying black America is going to wake up to this game. You can't just keep doing this every four years and popping around and then black lives matter, black lives matter disappearing like a magic act, and then jumping back in, you know, for the next election cycle. Uh, Eventually, black people are gonna get smart. Um, and and that's what's happening you know we're having conversations we have our own platforms this is the reason why the left is ignoring us but at the same time pushing for social media censorship because it's problematic when people like Candace Owens can gain you know millions and millions of followers and you know they are no longer relying on the mainstream narrative about race right they have another option and that option sounds a lot better than waking up every day and being miserable just because of the color of your skin and seeing yourself as a victim like it's it, it just feels better i have a better product right, right. <laughs> You get to go out and be happy and live your life and you can do anything you want because this is the greatest country in the world versus you are a victim, permanently a victim. Your life is going to suck forever because you were born with brown skin.
1: But I think it's I I think it would be fair to say that black people face a a different set of challenges than white people. They they you know, in many in many cases. Right. And that specifically. Well, I think that. If you look at where I grew up, I grew up in Long Island. In Long Island, a lot of my friends were able to inherit homes because their parents got loans after World War II or their grandparents got loans after World War II to buy these houses. And they created the suburbs. I think a lot of black people were excluded not only from those loans but also from, like, those communities. Like, realtors that showed black people houses would be threatened. And it was, like— so, so the suburbs and the house, which seemed like the, the engine of wealth for a lot of middle-class families, right? Building equity in something, ownership. It, it, black people were excluded from that. So I feel like there is a little bit of catch-up being played, certainly. But
0: there's not, because that doesn't explain or account for the reason that black Americans during my grandfather's time did better than black Americans during my father's time. So that defeats your entire argument, right? Well, there was more but what ownership. do you mean? So what yeah. happened yeah. from— you know, the 1950s th- through to the 1970s, that Black Americans became more impoverished, you know, uh, owned less homes, and became more reliant upon the government structure. And the truth is, is we married the government, welfare. And now, whether you wanna argue whether or not that was strategic and whether it's the fault of the government and Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, you know, for proposing the Great Society Act, right. which is what married black women to the government, that's an argument you can have. But you can't say it's because there's this long-standing black American just couldn't break away. If you look at the 100 years following slavery, black Americans did well. The fact that black Americans performed better economically under Jim Crow laws than they are doing today. You just cannot point to a systemic racism. It it has to do with choices, the choices that we made to marry the government, and the fact that we cannot outthink this government structure that you know black americans still believe in the victimhood and will take the handouts that black americans will take to the streets and demand you know AOC right now is saying we need to make sure you know black and brown people the government pays them to stay home well hello welfare policies that you know were the first thing that crippled black america in the first place that they're being reintroduced right now under covid-19 right. so i always say right now we have a choice right now if we're going to give another 100 years to black poverty yeah. by all the saying yes to more government handouts we don't need government handouts that's the big Biggest issue is more and more and more from the government. The government is not our parent. It's not our mother. It's not our father. It was an attack on the black family. Um, but if we don't wake up to that, we're never going to get ahead. Black people make the worst decisions out of every um, out of every group in America. And and you can compare us to who is well, who is the most successful group in America? It's not white Americans. So your argument about you know white Americans. Who is, a, America, is it Asians?
1: It's Asian. I, Asia. I forget who it is. It's, is it Asians? Asian. Some yes. Asians, Indians do well, given anything. Indians do well. I'm Indian Irish. We don't, we don't, we haven't done parties. great.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So nobody wants to talk about Asians because it, it you know, it defeats all the arguments for well, why people had it easier because no one's going to say Asian people during World War II, were Japanese people were in internment camps.
1: Right. Well, <laughs> you know that, that should be the so title of your. So
0: are they about white Americans the, today?
1: The title of your next book should be Nobody Wants to Talk About Asians by Candace. Owens. I know.
0: <laughs> exactly. I, yeah,
1: I do understand, but as as a white person, I would say to myself, I was a druggie. I drove around. I did not get pulled over nearly as much as my black friends. I feel like they 100% are more likely to get pulled over, more likely to go to jail. And we're doing a lot of the same things, right? I was, uh, you know, uh, irresponsible, reckless human being. And I just feel like I maybe had, I definitely had certain advantages that put me in a better position versus uh, a kid, you know, just the idea that I had money for a lawyer. So if, like, if there's a black kid who got caught smoking uh, blunt yes. and went to jail um, and he went to jail and my parents could maybe get me a lawyer to get me out of it, that to me is, yes. it, it's easier being white than if that's the, right?
0: I see, but here's what's wrong. You just brought up a good point and then you racialized it, Okay. okay. Rich people...
1: Yes, yes.
0: Economic privilege you're is a right. real thing. It didn't happen because you're white, right? So it didn't matter. If, if you think that Puff Daddy's son is not going to be better off being pulled off if he has pot Right, than some poor white kid, you're wrong. But you, you've okay. accepted the argument that it's because of the color of your skin, not because of your economic circumstances. Right, it's because of your economic circumstances. Oprah Winfrey doesn't have any offspring, but I'll guarantee you that if they ever got into trouble, they'd be able to get out. Malia and Sasha Obama, who we know like to smoke pot, good. You know, good for them. They're you know they're enjoying their uh, teenage years. Right. right, they are not going to go through the same things that a poor white trash kid is going through. Stop racializing. Do you think it. we Say should? leave people have more yeah. privilege. Do you think we that's should? That's common
1: sense. Do you think we should legalize weed so that we don't have this crazy drug war that's putting people in jail?
0: No, no. I mean, listen, I, 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 I have to think through those arguments more because I do think that first and foremost, I, I think conservatives that pretend like pot is the worst thing in the entire world are are just completely crazy and and out of control. Um, but, the issue is the slippery slope argument, and we know that's real because right now in California, what are they doing trying to, um, w- with uh, heroin and methamphetamine, they're trying to make it so you just get a ticket and keep going. So the problem with the left is that you never just stop at one thing. You're not like, okay, you legalize pot and they're going to be done, right? They're like already in California pushing for decriminalizing methamphetamine and heroin, and, and this is now an argument that we have to fight. So it's hard to find what the right answer is. When you know that it's it's never enough to do one thing. Meaning, a couple of years ago, it was all about just gay marriage, just gay marriage. Right. I mean, the second the Supreme Court passed gay marriage, we were on trans rights, and we it's been shoved down our throat. Mm. Uh, and now we're at kids picking their gender, and bathroom signs need to all to, to be all inclusive, and men need tampons in their restroom. So, mm. I mean, I, I I don't know where I stand on it completely because I, I understand. But
1: isn't there a little bit of a you know, listen, a slippery slope argument? Certainly makes a lot of sense, but isn't there so much pain happening because of nonviolent drug offenders being in jail for so long, it's disproportionately affected. People that are, as you said, economically disenfranchised, lots of them happen to be black and Hispanic. I just feel like there's so much pain, there's so many real world consequences to that yeah. particular law that we should, especially when it is legal- in certain it. Yeah, it is legal in certain parts of the country and people yeah. are becoming millionaires. Yeah, okay. So we yeah. can, yeah, okay. so we can yeah. decriminalizing, decriminalizing
0: is different than saying, making it legal. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think we, we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, the idea of anyone being in prison for smoking pot is just ridiculous. Now, where are, um, you so-
1: on, where are you? Are you strictly pro-life, no abortion, no matter what? See, I don't know. We don't know where Candace Owens feels about every single issue. We don't. Are you like 100 percent never can have an abortion or is there any gray area with you?
0: The problem is that there's no gray area with the left, right? So I, I'm pro-life. I'm unapologetically pro-life because I understand now as someone who used to be pro-choice, um just how brainwashed you are as a young girl in school about abortion. I mean, until I was twenty five, I thought it was just a clump of cells, which is crazy. I mean, that's right. so that's, that's they're fundamentally teaching you um that it, that abortion is birth control. Um, and that you, th- it is the responsible thing for you to, you know, kill your child. And when you look, when I actually understood the history of abortion and studied Margaret Sanger and understood that it was actually a eugenicist movement um, where people were trying to get rid of black people having any offspring. And when you look at the numbers and you realize that it is black Americans that are giving disproportionately, it, uh, the black population would be double today if it wasn't for abortion. That's a scary thing to even say. And that these clinics are being put strategically in black and Hispanic neighborhoods. Um, you know, I haven't I have an issue with what abortion was designed to do and the fact that it's been largely successful. Um, you know, by Margaret Sanger, but you know, through and through is this as an American success story. You know, she wanted to make sure people um that were black and brown um, as well as immigrants from Eastern Europe, uh, were not able to have any offspring. So I have an issue because I'm educated about it. Um, and I think the thing that bothers me so much is I know that the other argument as well, all of these people having kids, unless you're going to take care of their kids, you know, first and foremost, it, it makes it seem like people cannot be responsible at all. You remove responsibility from the person. And we know that the majority of people are not getting raped. So that extreme argument of like, well, you know, what if you're raped? Um, and then you get pregnant, and now you're forced to have this killer's kid. The left has to rely on that because the majority of the time, you know, it's not rape; it's just people being irresponsible and then deciding that sure, they want to get pregnant. Then there's kid.
1: a lot of people that are like, "Okay, we don't want abortion," and we because I understand pro life people. I'm pro choice because I don't want to tell somebody else that may have had an experience, whether it's rape or not, that they don't want to carry a child to term. I don't necessarily think it's my position to tell them that they have to do that but then then there are people that go on the right they go no contraception no plan b nothing nothing i don't don't believe in that (laughs) okay you you need so there needs to be some yeah you know i I, I don't like late-term abortion i think it's but at the end of the day i i feel like you know there seems to just be a you know like unwillingness to imagine that we're living in a society where people do have other moral codes. So not Mm -hmm. everyone's going to have the moral code that you do. Not everyone's going to have the moral code that uh, whatever that I may, or at the end of the day, it's like, I think that we need to figure out a way to exist in a society where people can have different beliefs. And as long as they're not infringing on your ability to live happily, then they can kind of live as long as they're not compelling you, you know? Candace, you froze. Candace, we lost you.
0: Sorry, I just do not accept you talking about abortion when yeah. I'm eight months pregnant.
1: Yeah, I was just, <laughs> I was just about to say, I said, I, I, you know, it's just one of those problems. Recently, we moved our show to CIA.gov and they promised that there would be nothing that they would do. <laughs> But they said we're going to leave the show as is. CIA.gov is where you can find the Tim Dillon Show now. But if that's my thing. It's like we're all, you know, we're all living in a society. Everyone's going to believe different things, and I think that we should all try to, we should try to respect each other. I know that that seems like a crazy statement, but I, I feel like you know, people shouldn't um, infringe on each other's freedoms if at all possible, unless it's something absurd.
0: So let me let me just say something to you, and I'm going to bring up what I said earlier to you. So I said yes. earlier to you that. You know the stuff about women being men. It wasn't the thing that they pushed when we were in school, right? right? Um, and that's the thing now. The younger generation is grappling with. They're being told women can be men, men can be women. Well, our generation was actually what was pushed upon us was sexual freedom, right? So yeah. if, you, if you're a millennial, the whole concept—it's just a clump of cells. Everybody's having sex. All of this stuff was right. basically shoved down our throat. The generation before didn't get that. Right, so you, your perspective on abortion is actually you being a product of your own generation, and the way that I learned about this, and it, it's a really good book written by Thomas Sowell called Inside the, Inside the Education System: The Dogma, the Dogma of the Lies, the Deception. He talks about this. Sounds push like a
1: fun push. read, like a light yeah, it, fun, it a read. fun
0: read. I mean, I, I love Thomas it Sowell but he like talks about f- this push. For, you know, sexual freedom and everybody's doing it. And like. But is it, is, aren't we all issue? products We're of our generation? Like,
1: it. isn't the idea that you my, me being okay with you voting means I'm a product of my generation too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's always <laughs> some good things. And, and but what I'm yeah. saying is that the, your perspective and what was my perspective. So I'm right. not even calling you out on it. I agreed with you. Right. No, you I got know, you. It's, it's what they, there's something that they give to every generation. And we became the like, yeah, sex, it's whatever. It's a woman's body, my body, my choice. I mean, that was the poison that was taught to us. And that I, I've kind of reversed that with the exception that I don't not I'm also not the person that goes around a woman got an abortion and calls her a baby killer or believe it. I don't believe that's helpful dialogue um, I believe that everyone can be educated and you can decide to become educated later about something like I did uh, Without being vicious towards people that have made different decisions in their life uh, right. with the, the information that they had available at that time
1: Now in terms of the police because there does seem to be an issue here with the police and the black community This is from what I've casually observed How would you address this issue? As uh, as somebody that we make Candace Owens president tomorrow, uh, what do we do? Do we demilitarize the police? Do we de-incentivize? No, we don't. Well, isn't there a way to demilitarize them? Because I'm not saying defund them, but do do we need for the police to be like stormtroopers running around the country, kicking down doors because somebody might be smoking a joint? There's got to be a way to rein the police in a little bit, no? What?
0: Be clear. The police are not kicking down your door because you're smoking a joint. Okay, so that is like that's like that's like leftism fantasy land. Like I'm just smoking a joint, and the police always just kick down the door. And because they're just like military right now, like come on, that's ridiculous. Like maybe you're a drug dealer and you happen to be smoking a joint, and the police came at that moment. But let's be let's be real about that. Secondly, I have this crazy idea. I'm trying.
1: I'm trying. I'm just spoken to join, man. You just came in here, guns a-waving. Um, but what I
0: will say, um, I'm a big believer in teaching your kids to respect police officers. So if somebody can point to me to um, the case this year where the person who we saw being, you know, aggressively pursued by the police was listening to the police officers' um, instructions, then I would say, okay, maybe we do have an issue with police officers. Every single case that is brought to the public forefront, the thing that never gets discussed is why couldn't this person listen to police orders? And I mean, we're not talking about Like the police snapped on the, I'm talking, the police officer is saying 18, 20, 30 times, giving them an instruction and they don't do it. And they keep coming towards the police officer. A police officer's life needs to be protected too. Um, And these people are crazy. What we saw in Philadelphia with that guy, Walter Wallace, wielding a knife. I mean, and, and still, Black Lives Matter protested and rioted and looted. And because he was shot and killed, as he should have been shot and killed, because he tried to kill police officers. Um, the problem is that we have arrived suddenly into a society where people do not believe that they have to respect adults, period. And this is what happens when you have an entire generation of people who have grown up without fathers in the home. You know, the idea of listening to any type of authority feels to them to be like an assault. Why should I have to listen to a police officer? Why should I have to listen to my teacher? Why should I have to listen to my guidance counselor? We have an authority issue in this country in terms of having basic respect. And, and it's not a hard request. When a police officer pulls you over, I've been pulled over. I listen to his instructions. That's the first thing. Right now, you have parents teaching people you don't have to listen to police officers' instructions if you are black.
1: But when and we look that at that is going to right. lead
0: to more black death.
1: When we look at a lot of these videos, we see incidences where police seem to be using excessive force, right? Now, the most extreme example is George Floyd, who lost his life. But then there's other. Examples where we look at the videos and we go, wait a minute, what in God's name is happening? Why are the cops doing this? Why are they sitting on a guy? Why are they cutting off his airway? Like, can't, shouldn't cops be trained to basically get someone in cuffs and then put them in a police car and not? use a lot of these techniques that they're using, whether it's a chokehold or something where you can do serious damage to somebody, wouldn't that be good to kind of do more training? I mean, more training is not a bad idea, right, for the I'm police? I'm just
0: saying, when is a ch- when has a cop done a chokehold on somebody without asking them to first abide by basic instructions? I understand, and, but they and, and let's use yeah. George Floyd as an example okay. because they refused to release the full tape in its entirety until it leaked to Daily Mail, you know, some eight months after the riots had stopped, Right. right. He, he was asked to get in the vehicle. He was already in cops and was asked to get in the vehicle. He resisted getting in the vehicle as he was standing. It was already cupped. Said he was claustrophobic and didn't want to get in the vehicle and asked to be put on the ground. Right. This is after he had, they had gotten him from a car. So we knew yeah. he wasn't claustrophobic when he was in the car trying to get rid of his fentanyl. Right. Then they try to put him in the police cruiser and he starts saying, I can't get in there. I'm claustrophobic saying I can't breathe as he's standing up. Right. So right. It, once again, we have a situation where we're so keen to say what police officers could have done differently. What can human beings, you know, people that are not police officers do? Follow basic instructions. Well, we got to imagine so not, that the job, of their instincts yeah. are not to put you in a chokehold, right? But I the job—the
1: job, not- job of a cop—is you're dealing with people when they're not at their best, right? Now, I have people that I know that are cops that tell me, "Our job is—we're if we're at a situation, you're already dealing with somebody that's not at their best. They might be drunk, right. they might be on drugs. They're—they're they're basically this is not the best moment of their day." And I just think that it can't be like, "Hey, abide by me," or the immediate next step is chokehold. There does have to be some value in de-escalation training or we cannot stand on someone's head. I'm sure you agree with the George Floyd. You know that. Like what they did to George Floyd was was murder. No, no, it was crazy. I,
0: mean, I agree yeah. with that. And I've said yeah. that over and over again. I, that that I didn't I've have to end in that, that. situation, yeah. even though I do feel it's important to point out that George Floyd, by his, you know, um, according to his death record, he did not die from a chokehold. He died from a fentanyl overdose. Okay, That's I'm sure the
1: chokehold didn't help.
0: I'm, I'm sure it didn't help, but right. he, he he was not restrained in a way that stopped his breathing. No, i just so okay. A, a media misrepresentation that should be clarified. Right. Um, but regardless, if I don't think a police officer should be on anybody's neck for nine for nine minutes. Right. Um, and so I will agree with you on that assessment. But I what I also am disagreeing with you on um, is the idea that this is the standard across police officers. You know right. what I mean? I mean millions and millions of arrests every single year, and we're talking about twenty of them um, that go wrong. All right. I, and nine black men where the situation went wrong this year, down from when Obama was in office. So we're hyper-focusing on an issue, um, nine arrests that went wrong in all of, in in all of 2019, despite 2020, despite all of these arrests. Um, and why are we doing that? Human beings are not perfectible. So you're never going to be able to beat that amazing number of nine going wrong. Right. But, and this is the reason why we know the names of every single black person that has ended in an unfortunate circumstance with police officers because it doesn't happen often so we're able to know every single one of their names and um you know again i believe in personal responsibility and accountability i think police officers are treated horribly uh, more often than the other way around and and the data and statistics back up my point police officers are killed by black men 18 and a half times more than black men are killed by police officers so you're now you're 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 putting the honest on police officers to be even nicer, even though they're 18 and a half times more likely to end up dead than the than the other way around. Um, no, it doesn't, it just doesn't well, it's work a da- that it's way.
1: A, it's a dangerous job. It's a dangerous job. Yeah and it's one of those jobs where I think, like a nurse, like I joke around about nurses now that are yelling and screaming on Facebook about how tough their job is. I get it. It's a tough job. But when you were a nurse, you also signed up for the idea that sick people were going to come into hospitals. This is part of what you signed up for. So I just feel like with cops, like they signed up for a job that was potentially deadly. It was very dangerous. And they
0: are not the ones complaining and protesting.
1: Right. All right. And yeah, she's, you know, but, but listen, sometimes they complain when you do, when you ask them uh, to, you know, potentially, you know, you know, like take a look at their behavior or their culpability. I've heard cops just like reject it out of hand, but I've heard other really smart people go that our police go listen. There should be more de-escalation training, right? There should be more training. Cops should be able to use other tools other than uh, a physical hold immediately. Or a chokehold or something like that. There should be more psychological we training.
0: That immediately, I, I hate when people say that because right. they don't do that immediately. That is not an instinct of a cop. It has not been the instinct in any of the police videos we've seen even this year. To assess, it, it always escalates that situation after a long period of peace. Again, the George Floyd video was not nine minutes. They were dealing with him for almost thirty minutes. Uh, you know, trying to get him to get out of the car. Sir, can you please come out of the car? So you know, it, it's so easy to be perfect in the retrospect and to right. say, "Here's eighteen thousand different things you could have done." But when you're dealing with a violent criminal, especially especially big, violent criminals. George Floyd was huge, right? Right. Who can hurt you. The Rayshard, Rayshard um, Jackson, Rayshard, Rayshard Brooks right. in Atlanta, they were so nice to him. Sir, can you please get out of the vehicle? You're sleeping at a Wendy's, blah, blah, blah. Nice, can you turn around? We're just going to cuff you, all this stuff. Yeah, and then that, what that, Yes, you're right about
1: that. police yeah.
0: officers. Oh, so let's look back at the tape, though, Tim, and go, well, here's how they could have de-escalated. Right. Okay, I mean, I did feel that. That guy was asleep in a, a Wendy's.
1: That guy was asleep in a Wendy's drive-thru. Yeah, that guy was asleep in a Wendy's drive-thru, and I've been there. But when you're woken up, you just have to have the cops go. You just have to leave. I've been asleep in a Wendy's drive-thru. So going forward, on a positive note, does Candace Owens ever run for office?
0: Oh, this is the first time I've gotten this question. No,
1: you get it all the time.
0: I do, I do. (laughs) Um, Listen, I do not have any plans to run for office at this moment. Um, What an answer.
1: you know everybody. People are saying Candace twenty twenty four. I've seen that on Twitter.
0: Maybe. <laughs> How about
1: that, maybe. Davy River Bay. Any part? Well, by the way, I want to, You. You are really. An, what's amazes me about you is you have a great sense of humor. You're always willing to have a discussion. You're. You're a fan of good comedy. Um. I, I think that. The world would be a better place if more people had your attitude—not all of your attitudes, but <laughs> the one about the one about open dialogue and open discussion. And um, I want to congratulate you on get and, and being a mother. Thank you. Are I'm you excited scared. about that?
0: T minus six weeks, you, and are I will you, be a
1: mom. Are you going to be softer when the baby comes out? Does Candace Owens go a little softer? When she's a mom.
0: You know, I think that the idea that Candace Owens is super hard now is more of a media caricature. I'm, I'm actually quite nice. Very funny. It's the number one thing people say about me when they meet me in person is they're surprised how much of a sense of humor I have. Um, and it's because the media has built me up as this like, ah, you know, person like 300 style all the time. Um, so yeah. When you go out,
1: do people recognize you and are they friendly for the most part?
0: Yes, people recognize me everywhere I go, and yeah, they're always friendly because leftists, unless they are, you know, planning to be in a group of three hundred Antifa supporters, are fundamentally cowards. So if they see me and they don't like me, they shut up. <laughs> you know, you're not going to approach Candace Owens and be like, "I think that's going to go well for you." I don't give off the energy that I'm going to be one of those like. Oh, please leave me alone. You know, I'm I'm like not playing this game. I'm right. not like I'm not afraid of a little Antifa thug in an airport,
1: you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I didn't even mean that. I just meant you go out to dinner in DC. As uh, the people in the political establishment are they kind of yeah. like, hey, Candace is a potential ally? Do you ever like don't you don't have to say who? Are there ever people behind the scenes that talk to you that are Because you have a very big platform. You have a very, uh, you know, big reach. Is there anybody that's like, hey, we got to get Candace on our side?
0: Um, Well, no. I will say there are a lot of celebrities, A-list celebrities that I speak to regularly. Um, And I think it would shock people. You know, Kanye's probably the only one that's been out public about his beliefs. That wouldn't
1: shock me because I live in Los Angeles and I know there's a lot of people that... You know, watch what you say and 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 read what you write. And some of them have
0: big Instagram accounts, so they can follow me and follow conservatives.
1: Some of them um, don't agree with you, some of them do agree with you, but they find what you say very interesting.
0: Right? Yeah, I, I think, and I think that that's kind of why I'm here, um, is just because there's just been such a dogmatic approach. Um, to culture and to politics. And I just want people to think, and I also want to make it okay to be normal. Like suddenly norm- normal people have to shut up all of a sudden. Like, it's like, unless you've got some well, something going yeah. on or, you know, it's like, so I'm just like, listen, I'm a happy person, and it's I like a lot therapy. of these
1: people that are trying to be not normal are actually trying. Like they're not they're artistic, they're not they're not like a genuine where you'd be like, oh my god, that person's a freak of nature. They're amazing. It's like someone who's truly trying to exist yes. outside of this spectrum for no reason other than the for fact no that they don't have much going on. I mean, I know a lot of people um, that where it's like, okay, you have purple hair and whatever, suppose you're non-binary, but let's be honest, you just work at Geico. Like yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. You're just answering claims at Geico, at, or you're at Oberlin. Not yeah, they're just stupid. Right. <laughs> they're just at Oberlin College, and they're like, I I want to be interesting special and different.
0: Yeah. You know? Everybody everybody wants to be a special little snowflake. Um yes. and I get that. I mean, and you see that of course you see that in Hollywood so much too, where it's like they're complicated for no reason. That's what I mean. It's like, why did Harry Styles put on a dress? Because like there's nothing really wrong with Harry Styles, right? right. He's very talented, he's good looking, he's a great singer. So it's like, how can I just be controversial and you know put myself in some weird minority box? I'm gonna be a man that wears a dress. Like, okay, we get it. You know, my, you know, like Miley Cyrus. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the up with money. Dad's famous. I'm going to shave my head and say that I sometimes feel like a man and a woman. Okay, we get it. You want to be a special little snowflake, right? But like, right. You're nothing wrong with you. Like, you know, and so I, I poke fun at them and it drives them crazy because they're trying so hard to be different. And it's just like, dude, just be freaking normal. It's fine. Like, People will like you either way. You don't have to try to be so subversive all the time. Yeah.
1: I mean, listen, the answer is if you want to be different, you want to be special, be Tim Dillon, be Candace Owens. That's you all. Yeah. <laughs> tell everyone where to follow you if they don't already and they probably do
0: follow me on the internet okay <laughs> buy my book blackout Yeah,
1: blackout and- is out the book is out blackout buy that the blexit movement are you doing any more live events or because yes,
0: uh, as soon as we can figure out what state is allowed to have human beings um at <laughs> in a capacity where they're allowed to be next to each other um we're moving to nashville are you, uh, you so moving in be that beautiful. you're so you're gonna move I am. Wow. I'm moving to Nashville.
1: I just did Zany's, the comedy club in Nashville, and it was great. I did seven shows when I went
0: there. To visit, I saw that you were there that night. So yeah. that was the first, that's when I bought my house that night. You were yeah,
1: there. I was there, and it was a great time, and uh, it's a great city, and I think you're going to love it.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I'm thinking and, one uh, more
1: year in L.A., and then I might get out of here. I might go to Texas. I don't know where I'm going to go, but it's just getting the amount of money we pay in taxes versus what you stupid. get. Yeah, it's stupid.
0: like it's prison. Stupid. It's just stupid. I'm like, why are you, Why do you live there? I say something, I'm like, what are you doing there anymore? Like, what you, they, eventually, they're going to build walls to keep you guys in because, yeah. I
1: mean, everyone's <laughs> fleeing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, Candace, so it's, and you're still holding on. Last question. You're still holding on. You think, you believe there's a chance Trump gets inaugurated again? I mean, what a... That would be wild. Candace. that would be wild. I I
0: think it's going to the Supreme Court. So, I mean, but I've always thought that I didn't adjust my opinion after this election. No, you didn't.
1: You've been remarkably consistent the whole time. I will say that this is where you do kind of win an award. You, you have been like consistent the entire year about what you thought was going to happen and where it would go.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we're here now. So I'm just like, you know, I think it's going to go to the Supreme Court and we have the courts and um, I, I, by the way, if he wins, there's going to be a civil war. So hope you, everyone's pro-2A because this is not going to be – it's going to be an issue in this country because they all actually believe that Joe Biden's already the president-elect. He's not. Um, you know, it's just he, Trump hasn't conceded. Um, and so we'll see what happens. I, you know, I obviously – For the sake of the country and us not getting swallowed by China's uh, Belt and Road Initiative, I hope that Trump wins. I hope, I pray that Trump wins.
1: Well, if there's a Um, civil war, hide that ring. That's a real rock over there. (laughs) Put that in a vault if there's a civil war. I mean, that thing is, that is crazy. You've done well. You've done well. (laughs) And I, and, I, and I appreciate that. And, and if and if things are, take a turn for the worse, you can always go to your cousin Mia and she can, she can sling that in the projects, you guys. You can buy three more houses.
0: Trump who is what she'll say. Yeah,
1: Trump who. <laughs> I love that. Candace Owens, yeah. thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for having me on, guys.
1: All right, thanks a lot. See you later.